gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, welcome to the Hall of Justice. This is episode 280. We release a new episode of this show every Thursday. Thank you for all the support that you give me on social media, the reviews, the ratings, everything. It's uh, such a pleasure to do this show. And hello to Kevin Smith fans who found the podcast when we had Kevin on back way back 98 episodes ago. We had Kevin Smith on the podcast. It was right in the beginning of the pandemic, too. Uh, We did it remotely and uh, Kevin was on. And in that podcast, we talked about clerks. And this episode is going to be about Clerks. It's not just Clerks, but it's Clerks 2 and Clerks 3, which is supposed to come out Uh, Later on this year, when Kevin was on, we talked a lot about mutual friends. And one of those mutual friends is Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante, Dante Hicks on Clerks. And in in the the sequels, Brian and I have known each other for about 10 years. Uh, One person I did not know is Jeff Anderson. Jeff Anderson played Randall in the movie and in the sequels. Brian is an actor. You know, he's been on theater and he's done other movies and he's done all kinds of things. We recorded these uh, interviews uh, courtesy of Fan Expo Philadelphia 2022, uh, the convention that is formerly Wizard World, um, a convention that I've worked at and I've, I've loved being a part of. And it was really cool to get down there. Uh, it was fun to be at a, a Comic-Con again. Kevin Smith has a lot of podcasts. He's one of my original favorite podcasters. And I even said this to him when he was on our show. Clerks 3 has gone through a couple of permutations. It's changed. It was shelved for a while. And it was mostly because Jeff didn't want to do it. That's not me reading something in the tabloid. Kevin said those things on his podcast and he said it on ours. Now he did want to do it. And now Clerks 3 is almost finished. Ironically, one of the editors on Clerks 3 is our Star Wars insider, J.C. Reifenberg. Um, the, the, the familial tone of this podcast, you'll feel. Um, I would not call myself a Kevin Smith fanboy. I am a fan. But I'm also someone who believes in both Net Brian and now Jeff as guys I want to root for. And that's easy to do so. So coming up today on the Hall of Justice podcast, Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran. They are from Clerks, Dante and Randall. Not together. We did them separately, 
but uh, let's go back and re- reminisce about a classic cult film from the mid-90s that I remember I was in college uh, when it came out, and I just loved that it was from New Jersey. And I love when they play the hockey game on the, on the roof. A couple of those guys are wearing Devils shirts, and I was so excited because I was a big New Jersey Devils fan. Let's look back at the original Clerks. You know how much money the average jizz mopper makes per hour? What's a jizz mopper? He's the guy that cleans up the nudie boots after each guy jerks off. Nudie booth? Yeah, nudie booth. Ever been in a nudie booth? Guess not. Oh, man, it's great. You go into this booth and there's this glass between you and these chicks, and they put on a show for you for like ten bucks. What kind of a show? Think of the weirdest, craziest shit you'd like to see chicks do. I mean, these chicks do it all. They insert things into any opening on their body. Any opening. Can we not talk about this now? The jizz mopper's job is to clean it up after each guy shoots a load. It's practically everybody does it right on the window. I don't know if you know this or not, but come leave streaks if you don't clean it right away. Are we sick? Something like 36? Who are you, boys? Wait, what is that anyway? Something like 36. Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? Going to class. Oh, my God. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Hey, where you going? Hey, listen, jerk. Until today, you never even knew how many guys I slept with because you never even bothered to ask. Then you act all nonchalant about fucking 12 different girls. Well, I never had sex with 12 different guys. No, but you sucked enough dick. Yeah, I went down on a few guys. A few? And one of those guys was you. The last one, I might add, which if you're too stupid to comprehend, means that I've been faithful to you since we met. All the other guys I went with before I met you. So if you want to have a complex about it, go ahead. But don't look at me like I'm the town whore because you were plenty busy yourself before you met me. Well, why did you have to suck that dick? I mean, why couldn't you sleep with him like any other decent person? Because going down isn't a big deal. I used to like a guy we'd make out and sooner or later I'd go down on him. But I only had sex with the guys I loved. I feel sick. I love you. Don't feel sick. Every time I kiss you, I'm going to taste 36 other guys. I'm going to school. Maybe later you'll be a bit more rational. I'm 37. I just Goodbye, can't... Goodbye, Dante. Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. Hey, hey, you, get back here. I feel good today, Sal Bob. We're gonna make some money. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go to that party. We're gonna get some pussy. I'm gonna fuck this bitch. I'm gonna fuck this bitch. I'll fuck anything that moves. You know what the fuck you looking at? I'll kick your fucking ass. Shit, yeah. Throw that motherfucker owe me 10 bucks. You know, fucking tonight, we're gonna rip off this fucker's head, take out his fucking soul. Mommy, if you try to buy something, I'm gonna shit in the motherfucker's bag. Yo, what's up, baby? What's up, sluts? What's up, Bobby? You're a rude motherfucker, you know that? You're cute as hell. I'd like to go down on you, suck you, line up three other guys, make like a circus seal. Ew, you fucking faggot. I hate guys. I love women! <laughs> that movie gets funnier every time I hear it. At long last, somebody I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a long, long time. He played Randall Graves on Clerks and Clerks 2 and soon-to-be Clerks 3. He is Jeff Anderson. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for so long. What is it like being in front of people and in front of these things? It's been so long since any of these Comic-Cons happened. It must be strange. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I didn't do these Comic-Cons for the longest time. Um, I, I kind of shied away from it. And when I finally decided to do it, I think I did two Comic-Cons before COVID hit. So people were single-handedly blaming me for COVID. 
So yeah, uh, I waited that year till COVID got out and now we're coming back and we're slowly getting online and uh, I'm looking to see what else I can do to disrupt things. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of strange in that I really always, when, whenever I had Brian on or, or Kevin, I loved that you stood up for what you wanted. You, you didn't cow to pressure. No one told you what to do. What was that whole thought process like when you were just not wanting to be the guy from Clerks and just wanted to be Jeff Anderson? Yeah, uh, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be the guy from Clerks. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I did Clerks as a lark. I, I went to school with Kevin. I wasn't an actor. I never even did a high school play. Um, so it wasn't even that I didn't want to be the guy from Clerks. I was just like nervous about doing it and everything else. And uh, I just, um, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't my, it wasn't what I was looking to do. So I, I just kind of shied away from it for a little while. And revisiting it this year for Clerks 3, what was, what was that experience like, given all those emotions going into it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Clerks 3 was talked about for a long time. Um, and I was hesitant to do it, as I'm hesitant to do every Clerks movie. But not hesitant to do this podcast, which I'm amazed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw you and I was like, that guy there, me and him are going to, we're going to shoot this shit and have a good time. No. That's comfortable. <laughs> yeah. No, when I finally decided to do Clerks, I mean, it, it always feels weird to me because I kind of feel like I'm the guy sort of holding everybody up. And uh, there was a different version of the script that I didn't think was screaming to get made. Um, but the new version of the script came out, and I don't know what it was. I, I just one day had an epiphany. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say fuck it. I'm going to do Clerks 3. I'm going to get out there and meet the fans. So this Clerks 3 is going to be my 15 minutes. I'm going to come out. I'm going to meet the fans. And, and I really, I, honestly, I don't know why I, sh I shied away from these cons for so long because people are so awesome and nice, and it's, it's like... Uh, I get to see the clerk's merchandise, which a lot of it I'm seeing for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, you know, it, it's so funny because I grew up in uh, Marlboro, New Jersey. So I grew up, you know, right over there. Mm -hmm. And when Clerks came out, I was in college and I just thought it was cool that a movie was being made about a town near me. Like that, that's all I thought it was. You said it, you know, you called it a lark. And I'm always curious to think. Uh, what that whole experience was like. I know you've been asked this a dozen times, you know, thousands of times, but just just this idea of you and your friends making a movie and then the response. Yeah. The response still to this day is so unique for a movie that was made on a lark. Yeah, uh, it, it's really unbelievable. It, it's kind of mind-bending. Um, I mean, I could, I could still vividly remember, you know, shooting clerks and it was maybe a half dozen of us in the store just kind of fooling around and and that's all i thought it was and that's all i think any of us thought it was except for kevin kevin you know kevin had the vision we didn't have the vision we didn't share the vision um and yeah that was uh like being at these cons and 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 hearing what the movies mean to people is just like it is unbelievable to think back on that time when there were six of us in this little shitty store making a little shitty movie. Uh, it's really incredible. And uh, we, we, we started to talk a little bit about Clerks 3. It was so surreal being back in the store for Clerks 3. And, uh, you know, we were shooting that still at the, at the end of COVID protocol. So we had COVID, you know, we called them the COVID police on set that made sure there were masks and made sure. I think they kept the number of people that were in the store to 50. 
So when we shot Clerks, there were six of us, and now I think they had to cap it at 50. And that's considered safe. And, and yeah, and that was like mind-numbing. I'll, I'll tell you, just because we're talking about this, the COVID police, as we called them, were so strict. There was a scene, I think it was Brian and I were shooting a scene, and you know, you shoot the scene, and then Kevin is, you know, somewhere with a monitor, and he'll watch the scene back, and we might come up with different lines and riff stuff, but so you shoot the scene, you're waiting, and Kevin's back there doing his thing. The COVID police told me there were too many people in the store and that I had to leave. And I was like, I'm in the scene. I, I, I was just on film. And she said, yeah, I know, but you're not on camera right now, so you'll have to step outside. So I got kicked out of the store. <laughs> the COVID police are very serious about their jobs. How different, without... I'm not asking for spoilers, but how different is Clerks 3 from Clerks 2 in that Clerks 2 is a production. Clerks 2 is not six guys in a store. Clerks 2 is a real movie. You'd been in other movies, you directed your own movie, but this is a, this is a major, major production. How does Clerks 2 compare to 3? Yeah, 2, you know, 2 was different because, uh, you know, obviously the setting of it was different, so it didn't have the feel. But was your hesitancy the same? Oh, no, no, my, well, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I was definitely a lot more hesitant about Clerks 2, um, only because, you know, Clerks became what it became. And I thought by doing a sequel, we could only tarnish the original Clerks. Uh, so I was very nervous about doing that. But seeing how well it was received, Clerks 2, did make it a lot easier to do Clerks 3. When, when you talk about... Uh, you know, what regular life is like, and you know, now we're in this post-COVID world, the, the idea that people have the passion for properties such as this, it, it is uncanny to me how many people love this movie. You know, when I met Brian, one of the funnier things about it is when I introduced Brian to the Mets broadcasters, I had referenced Clerks as a movie just as in passing. People reference lines, you know, people use Seinfeld lines. They, you know, you do things in, in common culture and how that movie has become part of people's lexicon. It, like, it just, it's, it's what people talk about for, in this day and age of streaming services and all the th content that's on there, this movie still resonates. Yeah, yeah I mean, look. Nobody is more <laughs> stumped by it than I. So you don't have the answer. <laughs> I, I do not have the, I wish I had the answer. I cannot figure out the secret sauce. I don't know what it is. I, I would just say, you know, for me, when I reflect back on Clerks, it just always just seems to me that it was perfect timing. Like uh, independent films weren't what they are today. It was, it was sort of just breaking. You know, you had Quentin Tarantino came out with Pulp Fiction. And, you know, that was sort of just starting to become this uh, independent film was just kind of starting to do things. So I think Clerks was largely a timing thing at the time when it came out and when it got bought. But the legs that it has had for all these years, I, I, can't, I can't explain it. it. It's very strange. I can just imagine, though, that, you know, the way people react to it in social settings, you know, people don't recognize, you know, they'll, they'll go into, you'll be with other other people in your town and you'll see other people and then all of a sudden somebody, it'll dawn on somebody that you were in that movie. What is that social setting like? Like, how how awkward can that be? I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> you know where exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where you're going. Um, I live in a very small town. Um, 
And honestly, everybody always asks me, like, I come to these cons and stuff, and I wear a hat. And in the movies, I wear a hat. And everybody just assumes that I'm bald underneath the hat. But I'm not bald. I really have hair. But it's the most amazing thing. When I take this hat off, nobody knows who the hell I am. It's like a Clark Kent thing. It's exactly what it is. So in this small town, like, nobody, I don't think, knew I was the guy from the movie. And, and you're right, it was like one person realized it and it went through the town like mad. And uh, we have a very small post office there. There's about five or six um, you know, women that work in the post office. And one day I went to the post office and one of the women held up the DVD of Clerks and she said, guess what I'm watching tonight? And, you know, she's probably in her late 60s or something. I'm just like, oh boy. I'm like, don't watch that. No, don't watch that. I guess she watches. She never said anything to me afterward. <laughs> and, odd, and oddly, I don't get any mail anymore. <laughs> very funny. And finally, um, the one thing that I think a lot of people, you know, when Clerks 3 comes out, what it, what it dawns on me, and I'm not kissing your ass, you've already been on the podcast. The, 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 it just seems from, from living in New Jersey and meeting those guys and, and having those guys on the podcast, it just you guys are all so easy to root for. And it seems like everyone continues to be friendly. You know, you're not, you don't have to be the best of friends, but just everybody gets along really, really well. What is that a testament to? What, why, New Jersey people weren't that nice. My, people in my high school weren't that nice. It's a testament that we're all men in this movie because women can't seem to do that. Look at the Sex in the City kids. The view is constantly changing. Women can't get along, but us Jersey guys, we bond. <laughs> That's why the clerks are all guys and everybody in the movie's a guy. One last thing, one last thing that you would, I, I think you would love. Bruce Springsteen did a podcast with Barack Obama. Okay. In it, they talk about soul music and having soul. And Barack Obama tells this massive story about growing up on the south side of Chicago. And Bruce Springsteen has to feel like this machismo to counter this great story. He starts talking about Route 9 and Freehold, New Jersey. And I have to have soul to, have, to be on Route 9. And I heard that and I said, by the Wegmans? Like, what is it about New Jersey? Is there such a thing as New Jersey soul? There definitely is New Jersey soul. I, I don't know what it is or, or, or how to even explain that. I, I, apparently, I can't explain anything. I'm just going through life befuddled. Uh, You're going to do great on the press tour for Clerks. Uh, yeah, I usually do. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. The Jer Jersey just has like a, a strange feel to it. I, I think a lot of it is Jersey is the butt of a lot of jokes. And for that, maybe we all have a chip on our shoulders, and so we, 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 we put airs on and we're like, Jersey doesn't suck, we got soul. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. I guess that's what it is. It's great to see you. Congratulations on all your success. Well, thank you very much. It was nice to see you, and I appreciate being on the Hall of Justice podcast. You guys keep listening. This guy's cool. That sounds like something that will be in a future promo. Now to Brian Halloran. There's a great story between us. Uh, we met at City Field in uh, New York, and uh, that great story we actually tell during this conversation. So uh, without further ado, uh, the great Brian O'Halloran. <laughs> 250-some-odd episodes, you're finally on the podcast. I know. Seriously, I, you would think I would have had you on like one of the early episodes. You were one of the only famous people I knew. S exactly. 
I don't know about famous, but at least one of the few people you knew who'd talk to you. But yeah, you know, it's good to be finally in the Hall of Justice. Although it's always cooler to say, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Yeah, I'm like uh, the Manta Man of the whole uh, the crew. Like, oh, there's not enough of him in the series. Well, we finally have an episode with Manta Man, so to speak. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Uh, what has this experience been like? First, you know, coming out of like a quarantine into going into Clerks 3 and now doing these Comic-Cons again. You know, it was really odd. Like, one of the first endeavors into, like, out of the pandemic was a show, like a retro show that me and Marilyn Gigliotti did down in Orlando, no less, Florida. COVID didn't happen there. Right. Well, they didn't believe it happened there, is how I say. And so uh, we were super nervous. But the guy was, the the promoter was really cool. It was his venue in Kissimmee. And it was a a big space that was, let's say, 25,000 square feet. And he used what would normally be like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of vendors and tables together. He literally cut the venue more than half of space. So there was a lot of huge wide aisles, space between each booth. It was kind of an interesting thing. And just me and Marilyn, we both were kind of nervous about like, geez, how is this going to be? Now, literally, it was a one day con. It was a Sunday con kind of thing. We went down there. It was like us two, Jake the Snake and a a few other people. Who went to it was like I think it was like five or six like media guests, and then the rest were all vendors. And then they had like you know the Ghostbusters Ecto One, and they had like a um, you know a, a Dukes of Hazard car and a Batmobile kind of thing. And uh, it was weird, and I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous because flying down in a plane, I literally like double masked, yep. you know, and and just was sitting next to people. I'm like, oh my god, going down was fine. It was the the plane ride coming home because that's when spring break had started last year and that's when I was just like now all these families with their kids that's the part was like oh my god the kids there's no vaccine for the kids is you know that kind of feeling so that was nervous but now it's been you know then we go into shooting clerks three which we started at the end of July beginning of August and um, there we had a protocol like the, the unions and everything, the producers' unions. Yeah, Jeff was, was saying it was like the COVID police. Yeah, and we had a team of seven people was the COVID team with testing, and it, you know, with a, a lab that was our regular lab that would come and send these nurses to the, uh, to the set and swab us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where we would always sweat out Mondays because sometimes on the weekends, we didn't shoot on the weekends, but we'd go to things. And I actually had a comedy show that I was a part of in Red Bank at the Vogel Wow. Uh, literally the last weekend before we were rapping, which, and then cast and crew came to the show, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, because Kevin was like, please don't go to this thing. And I was like, Kevin, stop buzzing my high here. But thankfully that Monday, I, I, we all skated with nobody getting tested positive because we did. We all left our masks on because we knew that we had to get it done. And that was the thing is like, we, everybody had their masks on the entire time until it was time to actually film. And then they would say, going red zone, and you'd take off your masks. And then we'd do the scenes, as many takes as we need, and then cut. We're good, we're good. And then and the masks were immediately. Masks immediately back on. And the COVID team representatives would remind you about masks. They had this big, giant HEPA fil- mobile HEPA filter unit that I called an R2 unit, because it's about the size of an R2-D2 unit, that would clear out the air. Plus, they had a CO2 meter in the store and stuff. Where if there was too many people in the, the store and the CO2 level went up too high. That store to never was so clean. Yeah, the, yeah, pretty much right. Exactly. So uh, it was weird. So now that we got out of it with no one testing positive except 
somebody who was on the outer ring of like who got us supplies and stuff. We never came into like the set and stuff. They tested positive with asymptomatic symptoms, so we were we were good to go. And now I've been told uh, Lionsgate is looking for like a fall release for Clark. That's great. That's good to hear. And I know people listening to this will, will be excited to to hear. I want to ask you about the first Clerks, sure. but before that, I have to tell my favorite Brian O'Halloran story, which was at City Field, you wanted to meet Howie Rose. And I worked for the Mets that year, and I wanted to facilitate that. You were a good guy, and I wanted to make that happen. And in traveling with the Mets on the plane and on the buses in the middle of the night, we would reference Seinfeld and movies. I think uh, Chris Majkowski, the uh, the uh, producer of the Mets broadcast, he always referenced Caddyshack, and I always referenced Clerks. Something with Clerks, I'm not supposed to be here, or some, some reference. And so I get you in the booth, and the way the booth is constituted, everyone's facing forward towards the field. So no one sees you come in. And... What I said, and I don't know why I said it this way, because I could have said it such an easier way, is I said, hey, Madge, you know that movie I keep referencing, Clerks? And Chris just wanted to mess with me, and he goes, will you stop with this fucking Clerks movie? Enough with this goddamn Clerks. I'm never going to see this stupid movie. Stop. And then I got to say, well, the star of it is standing right behind you. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. The, I thought I thought the guy was putting, uh, you know, me on and you on, to to see that he genuinely was like, listen, enough with this. To to see it happen was and to be a part of it was hilarious. And I I, I love stuff like that. To be honest with you, anything, any way to take the piss out of somebody, I always enjoy. So that was a fun experience for that. And uh, the fact that you know got to meet Howie and the the broadcasting team, and you're very kind in facilitating that. But yeah, I'll never forget that. that was so funny. All right. So we just had Jeff on, and I, it was my first time meeting Jeff. And, you know, he, he said that when you guys were making that movie, it was kind of like you were making it on a, on a lark, you know, that it was, it was just a couple of guys in a store. And, you know, you know, he referenced the COVID stuff about how 50 people max on, uh, in the store. And yet when you made the first one, you had maybe five people there at, at, at the time. And that was considered, you know, a lot at, for, for that moment. You were the guy who was the actor. You were pursuing acting roles. It seemed like everybody else was just kind of doing Kevin a favor. What was different then? And, you know, when you were thinking about it then, you were starting out in, in the business, were they, were they taking it seriously enough? Was it, was it a situation where you were kind of the fish out of water because you were the dramatic guy and these other guys were just doing this for fun? Well, we were we were all doing the film thing for the first time. Y- yes, Kevin went to Vancouver Film School for a couple of semesters, and um, Dave Klein and Scott Mosier, his uh, DP and his producer, went sure. to the school, finished the school, and this was their this was their career that they were choosing. They, as much fun as we would have with the material that we were given, as it's hilarious just to say the lines and plan it out and try to block it for the shot. 
uh, they took it seriously. We had fun doing it, but yes, it was definitely taken seriously because, first of all, this was film. So Kevin would sweat bullets if you got beyond three takes because we're burning through money. You know, and a reel of film on the, the, the camera that we had, the, the Ari camera, was only 11 minutes of film. So, and he would have takes, like the longest take is like just over seven minutes, which is the scene between uh, Dante and uh, Lisa Spoonhour, who plays Caitlin, where I confront her in the video store. I was like, you know, what's this I hear you're getting married kind of thing. And so we were able to do, I think, two takes of that, but that's 14 minutes. So we would change film cans, and this is before digital that you could just delete and do it again. So uh, I remember I, I came there super prepared like you know like I, I you know I came from how old were you uh, I was 23 so I uh, I came from a theater background where you have to know an entire show because you got to perform it all in one night there's no stop take it hold on let me do that again so I uh, I approached the script like if it was a long play and I learned other people's lines I learned my lines and in, you know even though a play you 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 run the whole play in the the perfect linear way timeline that it's being done. Film is different. Sometimes you're going to shoot the ending first or the middle first, go back to the beginning, then go to the end, then come back to the beginning to shoot another scene because of availability of other actors or locations or what have you. So in a way, it's it's slightly difficult as an actor to keep in the mindset of, well, where is the character at this point in the film and get, get that kind of mood going. So this was... Um, I totally went into it like, yes, I was the, the seasoned actor. Marilyn Gigliotti was a seasoned actress. Lisa Spoonhour had taken acting in college. You know, the fish out of water was Jeff, you know, and Jay. Jay was just being Jay. And Jeff was Jeff was kind of just going, all right, let's, let's see what we can do here. So um, it was definitely this feeling of like, well, let's see what we got. Where, where, we, where it goes from here. I just thought I'd have a VHS copy at home that I could show friends, hey, look what I did this past spring. It's kind of goofy, yada, yada. How surprised, or let me, let me take that phrase out. What was your reaction when you found out that Jeff wanted to do Clerks 3? Because for years, and I remember talking to you about this, it just seemed like Clerks 3 was never going to happen. We had Kevin on the podcast and Clerks 3 wasn't on the radar. What was your reaction and how did you find out that it was going to happen? Well, I remember we had Kevin had come out with a Clerks 3 script, like his first idea of what he had for a Clerks 3 script years ago, like seven years ago. And it was a more darker kind of script at the time. And I remember Kevin had given me a copy, had given Jeff a copy and, and a bunch of us a copy to, to look at. And I remember just seeing it and I was just like, ooh. This is dark, and the the Weinstein company was still involved with this this production of what would have been the Clerks Three then, and uh, we had a, a kind of a bad business experience with the Weinstein company for Clerks Two, and uh, it was kind of tarnishing what what could have been for a Clerks Three. That when we saw this script that was very dark at the time, and Jeff was just like, you know what, man, I, I you know I, I'm not into this. So we thought it was never going to happen. Kevin, years later, there was a fundraiser for the First Avenue Playhouse in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, where we had all auditioned for Kevin, the original clerks. They needed a, a $50,000 to upgrade all their lights and sound equipment. And so Kevin's like, you know what? They approached Kevin and they said, is there something you can do to, to do something? So him and Ernie O'Donnell came up with the idea of a live stage reading of the script 
of that dark of the dark tray. So we had two two uh, readings of that script. I think it was like a hundred bucks a ticket. We also did a, an exclusive poster for the event, and we raised a good bit of money for for the theater. And uh, that's the only time that'll ever be heard. And now, will that version of that alternate universe, if you want to talk a metaverse kind of thing, was that filmed? Uh, was that had to. there is someone who has a, a, a video copy of it, but it'll never be released. Um, but if Kevin would said that he may do it as a graphic novel at some point, who knows? Or just tales from an alternate clerk's universe, who knows? So then he had his heart attack. Thank God he survived it. He's done amazing with his health ever since. Um, that he, he said that, you know, he felt like he wanted to approach this again and came up with this idea after the heart attack. It kind of spurred the, the impetus to what happens in the clerk's world with a heart attack. And, um, and then he started writing the script and he approached me and he approached Jeff. And Jeff, at this point, it was kind of like water under the bridge, what was going on from the, the, the clerk's two incidents. Uh, and so we got on board. And, you know, there was not really any fuss or any muss about it this time. Well... I want to say, you know, good luck with it, and and good luck this year. It should be great to see you guys back uh, doing this again. And uh, you know, as somebody who you're an easy guy to root for, and it's just it's, you know, I I would like to consider us friends regardless of whether Clerks three, four, five, or six ever gets made. But I'm thrilled to see that you guys are doing this, and uh, I'm I'm just rooting for you. Thank you, man. I'm glad. Thank you for those sweet words. And, uh, and I do consider you a friend. We have each other's cell phone numbers. We we wish each other happy birthday. You know, we, we do do the pleasantries as we social media. Roar. Yes, we do the social media ones, of course. Um, <laughs> but it's that type of thing. Like I needle you about the New Jersey Devils and you needle me about the New York Rangers. And, we'll you know, we'll see what happens this year. But uh, it's that type of thing that we're this age that these movies have just stuck with that uh, I'm glad that people like yourself and other fans of our age, but even younger and even older, uh, will enjoy what's uh, what we're about to give them. The, the first Clerks came out, I was in college, and having grown up in Marlboro, just the idea that they were doing something near there, I, I was just like, I grew up near there. Like, I'd been to that store. Like, I knew that stuff. And so living away, living in Denver and Seattle and, and, and working out there, and seeing those New Jersey-based movies was always just a connection to home. Yeah. And then the seven degrees of seventh separation, meeting you and Ming and having Kevin on the show and doing all these different things, it just felt like people you want to root for. And so it, it, it's very cool. Good luck to it, man. Thank you, man. Thank you again for having me on the show finally. And uh, we'll definitely see each other again. So there you have it. Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. Uh, this was really, really, really fun. Uh, we have more from uh, Wizard. No, it's not even Wizard anymore. I gotta say, it's Fan Expo. Uh, we talked to Jeff and Brian at Fan Expo Philadelphia, uh, the show formerly known as Wizard World. Um, it was good to see those guys again. Uh, it's nice to see so many of the Wizard people that caught on with Fan Expo. So that was uh, very cool. And we have some more special treats uh, from my time in Philadelphia. And I took a COVID test. I didn't get COVID, and I barely wore a mask. Uh, so there, things are starting to change. You know, uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you for the support. As we mentioned, got some really cool DMs recently, stuff that uh, really meant a lot to me from you folks uh, who listen to this podcast. We'll do a new one each and every week. We'll see you then. Believe it or not.